0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Essential Apple Show 28. Now last week I thought I dug myself into a bit of a hole saying that I'm going to go from that podcast onwards with a bit of status quo and some Christmas singles. Unfortunately, I didn't quite realise that they only had one Christmas single. But fear not, YouTube has come to the rescue. Yes, you see, and the best thing is, because it's a medley, I'm never going to run out. Anyways, joining me, oh no, before we go into that, I just need to say a big thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We have another one this week. Of course, thank you to Teresa Hummel for kicking it all off. And this week, we have another Patreon subscriber from Chris Hattori, or Rory. Sorry, Chris, if I've massacred your name there, but thank you ever so much. You can find the link to Patreon on the front of the website at EssentialApple.com and in the show notes. Now, I'm not alone this week. The schedule has been a bit all over the place due to, well, it's a little bit down to the cold weather. And I, I'm starting to shudder now because every morning when I get up, I come out my house, start the car, turn right, go around the corner. And there's always an engineer fiddling with the cabinet, which is why I've not been able to do anything regular recently, because every time he's there, when I get home, oh, look at that. My internet seems to be a bit, yes, like that. But now we're all back and running, so I've managed to get a guest at the last minute. Now, this is a chap who, as I said it before, he's a silent contributor to the show. He's the guy that when I do a blog post, make sure that it's pretty much legible. Welcome to Serenac who also contributes to the MyMac Show. Simon, how are you doing this evening? I'm all right, thank you, Mark, and thanks very much for inviting me on. No problem. You've had a bit of a week, haven't you? You've, uh, you went out and got a new shiny, you got a new iPhone 7, uh, but it hasn't all gone well, has it?
1: No, uh, I did indeed get a nice new uh, iPhone 7, Jet Black 128, and uh, it was all wonderful for about three days. And then I noticed that it was having difficulty joining Wi-Fi. It would join the Wi-Fi, or at least the settings said it had joined the Wi-Fi, but the status bar would stay on 3G or 4G. Now, the first couple of times, uh, I just put it down to, you know, dodgy free Wi-Fi and uh, not liking my VPN. But uh, I noticed it was getting worse. And uh, when it wouldn't join my office uh, Wi-Fi, I realised something was fairly seriously wrong. So, uh, yeah, I then found that it wouldn't talk to any Wi-Fi at all, and bizarrely, it had stopped talking uh, to the net by 3G or 4G. So, uh, effectively, it's become a dumb phone. So You end up with a
0: not-so-smart phone.
1: It's a very not-smart phone at the moment. (laughs) Well, it looks smart, it just doesn't do anything smart. Uh, Quite bizarrely, however... I still get the push notifications. So stuff in the Slack room uh, doesn't actually come into my Slack app, but it fills up my notification screen, which is a little
0: bizarre yeah, to probably say the least. You'd be getting data on 2G, though, wouldn't you? Because it'd still be pulling down some sort of data, albeit really, I, um, really, I really I slowly. What
1: What's wrong with it, Mark? I mean, I spent about two hours on the phone with Apple support. Uh, the first time, um, they had me do all sorts of troubleshooting Things, most of which I'd already done. You know, toggle the Wi-Fi, remove the remove the Wi-Fi network, put the Wi-Fi network back, reset the network settings, etc., etc. But uh, eventually, they seemed to realise that something was seriously wrong when they said, "Well, what you need to do is wipe the phone and uh, do a reinstall." And I said, "Yeah, that's fine. Guess what happens when you get to the bit that says?" Uh, you need to turn off, find my iPhone. They said, well, that's easy, isn't it? You just remove it from uh, from iCloud. I said, yes, but my phone's not talking to the net, so it doesn't get the memo. So all that,
0: a it, circle of life start. You can't do this because of that.
1: Yeah, so every time you get to, you need to turn off, find my iPhone, you enter your, you enter your password, and it sits there for about five minutes and says, there was a problem talking to the network server. And uh, I tried doing it the reverse way by going into uh, iCloud.com from my Mac and saying, delete my iPhone 7 from my account, uh, which, of course, it did. But again, my iPhone never got that memo. So it thinks it's still on find my iPhone. So thus, uh, it's well and truly up the spout.
0: If it helps, whenever I've had to do... Because I had the same problem with... What was it now? My iPhone 6 replacement, where the Wi Fi just stopped working and then the network just stopped working. And fair dues, they turned it around quite quickly. And I would say it's the best of a band bunch in terms of customer service because it literally is they will do everything to sort of avoid giving you a new device, but it's not that bad. They will, if they do realize that, yes, it's a hardware problem, then the process after that is, oh, yeah. is I mean, it's pretty the-
1: smooth. To be fair, the guy really did, um, you know, try pretty hard to try and resolve it. But when he realised that the phone was, as he put it, up the spout, we uh, both agreed that the only real option was uh, a return or, you know, return for repair or replacement. So uh, that's what he did. He ordered a box. Box arrived today. Phone will go in the box and no doubt DPD will collect it. So I suppose probably yeah. Tuesday or Wednesday, I shall have a repaired or, more likely, a replacement phone. So, you know, and the, I can't grumble, really.
0: Uh, and at least a good thing is you don't have to put it in a flame retardant slash explosive bomb-proof box. As, <laughs> you know, that's always a good thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's always an advantage. No need for the asbestos suit.
0: Now, the reason I got you on the show is over the last sort of few days, you've been helping me off the podcast do a little bit of designy sort of stuff. Uh because you work in a it's a printer slash designing style environment. And we always hear time after time after time that people use Macs because it, in designing and development because Well actually I don't know why. And that's why I thought I'd get you on to say so in your office, in your printers, are you mainly a Mac based outfit there? Uh
1: yes, we have um we have what? Four, four Macs? Uh, my Mac, which is obviously uh, pretty much a frontline design artwork and pre-press machine. We have two second line uh, design and pre-press machines, one of which is used by our apprentice who's um, learning the ropes, one of whom, one of which is used by my uh, manager who used to be my co-worker but kind of got pushed sideways into management. So he does less design and artwork these days, but he still uses a Mac. Then, production manager also has a Mac because he comes from the same background as me. So, he prefers a Mac. Uh, all three of us run um, VirtualBox with a Windows VM for uh, anything that requires Windows. But uh, we're all. From a print background and thus we're all very much ensconced in the Mac ecos.
0: So why is it you think that there's such a pull towards Mac instead of Windows? Because every, as everyone will say Windows PCs are cheaper. Why do you think that Macs are so ingrained in sort of the design in print um industries, in in your opinion?
1: Well the thing is, Mark, in my opinion and also historically, it, it is mostly rooted in history um at the time that the mac was born um and the GUI was born oldest created a product called PageMaker, which was one of the first desktop publishers
0: oh yes we're going back a bit now back that, that the was of
1: that time
0: that's not serif page plus isn't it
1: <laughs> it's, uh, well, Serif Page Plus, by the way, is still going. I'll have you know. No way. Actually, yes, it is. And it's actually for about the, well, 100 quid if you pay the full whack or anything down to about 20 quid if you hold on long enough until they beg you to take it off and for, for that little. It's still actually a very good program and heavily influenced. Let's put it this way. If you're on Windows and you buy Serif Page Plus for somewhere between 20 and £40, you're getting something that looks and works very much like Adobe InDesign, which I can assure you will cost you a hell
0: of a uh, Okay, I, I must admit, I was quite amazed that PaintShop Pro is still going strong. I couldn't believe it.
1: <laughs> well, that I didn't even know. I didn't know that PaintShop Pro was going, but still. But yeah, historically, um, one of the big reasons that... Uh, publishers and designers and print people are so heavily invested in Macs is that at the dawn of the Mac, the dawn of desktop publishing, the Mac had PageMaker, it had Illustrator, it had Photoshop, but most of all, from a print and publishing environment, the Mac supported PostScript font. Proper what you see is what you get on screen, scalable font output. And at the time, Windows still basically worked on bitmap fonts, which meant that Windows was a long way. The birth of TrueType, which was popularized by Windows because it was a type technology they could actually easily integrate into Windows, but was actually invented by Apple, Point out that strange anomaly (laughs) did make things a lot better. And over time, uh, the truth is these days there's probably not a lot to choose between the Mac and a Windows 10 machine if you were going to talk about running something like uh Adobe Creative Cloud. But Windows wasn't there at the start, and that means a lot of people like me started on Macs thirty years ago, spent ten years working on Macs when Windows, you know, was still catching up and that kind of industrial inertia doesn't go away easily. People in the industry are standardized on to a large extent the Mac and for you know and Postscript. Um and that makes it makes it hard to unentrench, I suppose. But I do know that I do know that quite a lot of uh, newspapers and whatnot these days work on on Windows PCs.
0: So in the office now, if a Mac was to go wrong, would it be an easy sell to say, right, we need to get another Mac in, or would the bean counter start going, well, Windows is almost quite good?
1: <laughs> well, in in my case, Mark, there are. There are 12 of us in the company. There are four of us in the pre-press production section. And three of us have spent 30 years working on Max. So figure that one out for yourself. Oh, and one uh, one of them is the production manager and the other one's the managing director. Need I say any?
0: Yeah, I kind of imagine as well. There Although it probably wouldn't be the hardest thing to get used to. Changing of the keyboard shortcuts would have a, it sounds daft, but it probably would have an impact on productivity. Because if you're there and you need to do something in a rush, the last thing you want to be doing is working out, oh, okay, what's the command key for this? uh, And all that sort of stuff. There is that, but
1: also, of course, there's simply the fact that because we're heavily invested in the Macintosh and we're standardized across, you know, um, Adobe then even even though Adobe and Microsoft will tell you, oh, you know, Creative Cloud running on a Windows machine will be exactly 100% compatible, it never is.
0: No, uh, no. I've experienced no. that. And also, no. And also, you know, I've noticed just recently that if you want to get out of Adobe's grip and you want to go for something, well, let's say you want to create a PDF and be able to move pages around, edit text and all that sort of stuff. All the third party apps out there are more or less the same price as Adobe. So you're thinking, hmm, who do I go with? Do I go with a company that's obviously trying to cash in on the features of Adobe, but don't have the workflow? Or do I just go with adobe well it depends what you want to do really mark doesn't it
1: i mean don't forget preview is an incredibly underrated piece of software and that can do a hell of a lot of stuff with pdfs and if you don't if you don't want to you know get into adobe's boat then you know on the mac i'd probably look at something like uh, pdf pen or-
0: yep Unfortunately, in work, we're all windows based and when you look at some of the windows based stuff, it's just you can just tell it's just corporate speak after corporate speak where uh, Adobe do kind of get themselves tied up in that same in that same arena, should we say, but at least they sort of managed to be able to talk with a little bit of creativity and a bit designer ish rather than just the you know the corporate hypeness of synergy and you know using the cloud sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you mean the blue sky outside of the
0: box? Yeah, it's a 10000 yeah, yeah, Uh <laughs> yeah. That's the sort of week I've had. Uh, I have got sympathy for your Wi-Fi because as I was just leaving work today, I was like, right, 5 o'clock, I am out of here. I've had enough. And then I sort of realized, hmm, you know what? I'm going to press the update button. Oh, man alive. <laughs> I managed to take down the entire building's Wi-Fi. Thankfully, uh, due to the obsessive compulsive nature of the way we like to document things within the company, it all became back a bit running very quickly. I hope. <laughs> Touch wood. So, uh, yeah, so I'm with you. Yeah. Like Slow. anyway,
1: back in the and... morning and check.
0: Yeah, it'll be uh, an email sent tonight saying, oh, let me know in uh, like suddenly this morning it'll be the one time that I've turned up on time. <laughs> oh, I've. It's been one of those weeks. I bought a car battery for a car that I'm trying to sell because the battery's dead. And you think, oh, happy days! The same day that battery arrived, I go out and start my normal daily runabout, and the battery's dead. So I've now bought the wrong battery for the right car, and I can't swap the battery over because one's for a petrol, one's for a diesel. And uh, people really probably aren't interested in this, right? Anyway, back to back to the Mac. So in in both work and life. What are, what is your oldest bit of kit there? Because I'm always interested. We always talk about the longevity of Mac equipment. So, what's the oldest bit of kit you've got there?
1: Um, what the oldest bit that's in sort of daily use?
0: Yeah, something that you would, you can you go to and you interact with once, maybe twice a week.
1: Um. Well, I mean, Joe is on a ten-year-old iMac. Admittedly, it's on its last legs. But uh, so Joe's our apprentice, so you know he's not—he's not exactly doing.
0: He's always going to get the the naffest bit of equipment. Well, it's not—you know—not the worst
1: machine in the world, but it's a bit sluggish, and uh, it is time that some of our, you know, further up the chain, kit was replaced. So, as is usual, it will all slide down the scale. He'll probably end up with mine. I'll probably get a new one hopefully such is life but i mean that's a 10 year old mac so that's it's still in daily daily use um i don't know how we've got a g5 tower which is uh occasional use oh no tell a lie of course we have two g4 uh towers g4 tower mac towers that's going back it. we have two g4 power mac towers which are running os 8.5 i think which are used to drive the drum scanner downstairs now the drum scanner and that's for, very much a- for those who don't know a drum scanner is a large literally it is a drum um, and you place the images to be scanned on the inside of the drum, and the laser, which does the scanning, rotates in the centre of the drum rather than a flatbed. It's and big,
0: So that's pretty much a bit of equipment. You're not going to upgrade unless you really, uh, really well, have to upgrade it.
1: You don't know. Um the cross-field scanner we've got is probably 20-odd years old. But they're the sort of piece of kit that would have cost 50, 60, 100 grand when they were new. They don't get as much use as they used to, of course. But um, no, that's unlikely to get replaced. And there's no reason for it to because it works perfectly well. The trouble is, the only thing to drive it with is an old Power Mac. So there you go. We
0: have. And needless to say, I bet that's not supported in any software updates.
1: No, that's why we keep it running on OS eight point five or eight point six, whatever it's running on.
0: And so what about in your personal life? What's the oldest and what's the newest bit of Mac equipment that you're that you've got there?
1: Uh let me see. Uh I've got uh my personal MacBook, which is I think twenty twelve MacBook Pro. Thirteen inch non retina. Um we've got 27 inch iMac desktop and a 21 inch iMac desktop which are i think probably 2011 or 2012 Uh, and then a variety of ipads and iphones and ipods
0: so you're still rocking quite a bit of uh, it's it's I don't want to call it age ancient, but I suppose in Windows terms, and this whole thing of GPU and speed and gigahertz, it could be classed as being a little bit old. But I'm from the sounds of it, you're making. Would you class yourself as making do, or is it an experience where you're saying, "Yep, you know what? I'm happy to carry on and use I the equipment I've got."
1: It. I've got no. I don't feel any need to upgrade the kit I've got at the moment. Um, To be honest, I'm considering taking out the DVD drive in my MacBook and putting in an SSD. Um, That should give me a fairly decent uplift in performance. And for the things I do at home on my laptop, it's fine. You know, I'm not a heavy-duty gamer. Um, I have to say thank you to you, Mark. Thank you so
0: much. Oh god, yes, <laughs> I've done something useful. Take that back. Don't set a standard for this show. The second that someone says, "Oh, this is a place I go for for something handy," You
1: pointing me to that archive of old games.
0: Oh, oh, yes, I know the the, the retro gaming archive. Yeah, yes, I've got Doom Two from nineteen ninety four downloaded from there. <laughs> I finally kicked my addiction of Sensible World of Soccer after three weekends of solid playing. It'd be, right, get in from work, walk the dogs, have some food. It's midnight, walk the dogs, and it's three o'clock in the morning. Three weeks of that. And then I realised and read up on it that Sensible World of Soccer is the most hardest game to score a goal in. (laughs) But you're welcome.
1: (laughs) So thank you, yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much for getting me back onto Doom 2. See, that's the cutting edge of my gaming.
0: Yeah, but it's still a classic. Um, I, I will admit, uh, if I had the money to spend on a Mac for gaming, I think I'd still go with, in fact, I missed all the Black Friday sales. I probably would have gone with like a an Xbox 360 or, no, is that the, no, Xbox One or a PS4, stick it up to a TV card and just game like that. Yeah, Because let's face it, you could spend 250 quid on a PC graphics card, but if you spend a little bit less, you can get basically a PS4, which is just a fancy schmancy graphics card, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the minute, I think the best deal I've seen on a reasonable PS4 was 200 quid.
0: I was so, so tempted to get the credit card out, but I'm thinking, nope. Christmas is round the corner <sighs> Christmas is coming it really it really has started earlier this year. I'm sorry for those of you listening, you're probably going, oh yeah, I've already had enough of it already. It started on the eighth of November, so if we're still around in a year's time, mark the date, and it all and it always starts when Radio two starts playing Christmas songs, but it has to be oh, washy man, who does pop buster
1: in Bruce
0: that's him. When he plays Christmas songs, then it's official. Then <laughs> it's official.
1: November the eighth, you um, held out quite well, then, Mark. Well, no, it was they had Christmas. They had Christmas decks up in my local ASDA before they even put up the Halloween stuff.
0: Oh, my partner works in uh, she works in Tesco, so we get, I get to see exactly when all the point of sale comes in for Christmas. <laughs> <sighs> Lovely. Good luck. Anyway, let's should we try some um Apple and some st- tech based stuff? Seeing as we're supposed to. Uh Daft question of the year. Have you got Netflix? I of course I have Netflix.
1: I have Netflix on my Apple TV. Apple TV version four or three, depending on which room you go in.
0: Well, finally, we have offline viewing for Netflix. And how long have we been waiting for this? I think this came out uh, yesterday, was it? Which will be the 30th of November. Uh, Yes, Yes, 30th of November. Uh, Yes, that was yesterday. Uh, I I can only imagine just how hammered Netflix would have got. Uh, I downloaded, what did I download? The shooter. And that's 45 minutes. That came down at about 245 meg, which I think was quite reasonable, to be honest. Is offline viewing something that you've been waiting for for a while? I can't say it is, to be honest, Mark. I'll, <coughs> I'll be honest. I...
1: I watch... Obviously, I, I have Sky, I have Netflix, I have Amazon. Um, And although I do a lot of on-demand, I'm not a one for watching away from home. So offline viewing as it were is not something that really bothers me
0: the, the only thing i haven't been able to find out so actually I, I stand corrected so for 45 minutes of a show downloaded to my iphone was 219 meg, which is probably about right i'd really love to know are they doing anything like profiling or do they know that your app is stored on ios can they sort of Can they do they tailor the download to fit your device, or is it like
1: I suspect I don't know this for a fact, Mark? But I suspect that uh, when your device requests a download, uh, it will have a user agent and that will probably tell Netflix what to send you in much the same way as browsers have, you know, user agent streams.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's really good. Well, obviously, everyone's going to think it's really good, but to, to know now that you can download something and go like the whole of the new episode of Archer, now what hasn't been told is uh, how quickly a new show is going to be available for download and what's going to be available for download. But so far, the it doesn't seem too bad. They're, obviously, all of the Netflix exclusives are ready, Sorry, the Netflix exclusive ready for download. But there's things like A Very Merry Christmas, Kung Fury. Uh, I think Alex from The Mac and Forth Show mentioned that one. What a brilliant film that was. Uh, Employee of the Month, great film. Doom, ignore that one. Alien Outpost, haven't seen. There is a lot to download, and it's only going to get better.
1: Alien Outpost. Is-
0: Alien Outpost. I've seen that.
1: I've seen that. I- it's an absolute corker. Of a turkey,
0: right? So that's something you put on whilst you're washing up, where there's nothing else to watch on the telly. Best watch just to have a bit of background news.
1: Yeah, best watched after a bottle and a half of uh, good wine. Put it that way.
0: So something to fall asleep to, and you don't mind if you miss a plot point because it's done. <laughs> oh, I'm Jack Horseman. Oh, brilliant! I could download that and watch that on my uh, yeah, on my lunch really break.
1: Outpost. Yes, uh, brilliant.
0: Do you think the timing of this is related into is related a kind of a bit to Grand Tour? Do you think they've taken a bit of a, a beating because Grand Tours come out in pretty much a, well?
1: That's a possibility, Mark. Um, and having said that, I'm not much of one for offline viewing. It's nice to know that you can download stuff for offline viewing because there, you know, there will be times where now I won't have to think. Oh well, I can't do that. You know, if I'm going away for the weekend and. God knows where, whether it's, you know, somewhere God forsaken with no internet, I can download a film to take with me. But, um, yeah, Amazon. Well, Amazon have got a big push. Grand tour. Don't know. Grand tour is very popular. Going to get a high profile, you know, launch. So
0: hard to say. I, for me, I'm wondering if, if I download a film here and I go abroad, and I connect to Wi-Fi, is that show still going to be available on my device? Is the DRM, is it going to be contextually aware? I would, I would imagine not, because obviously of all the sandboxing, but uh, I, I can't help but think it's maybe a little bit to do with the Grand Tour being released, and that's garnering everything, and I've been watching the Grand Tour, so far, after two episodes, I'm really enjoying it. Have you seen it at all?
1: I can't say I have. I'm not. Uh, I'm not particularly a fan of Clarkson and Co, to be honest. Um, I remember, I remember back in the day. Back in the day. Yes, yep. when uh, Top Gear was actually a show about cars and not some over- No. Oh, Boys.
0: blimey. You're one of those. Yes. Oh, it's not it's about car. Well, <laughs> the thing is that we've had shows like this. We've had Fifth Gear. And look how well that did. we like, it went to Channel 5. Okay. Then it was channel five plus something. And then it got moved around in the schedule. And now it's on some weird, <laughs> really non publicised satellite channel.
1: Well, that's because Fifth Gear was never anywhere near as good as Top Gear.
0: They tried. They tried. Oh, yeah. I, I've always wanted to run my car on chip fat. That has been a life aim for me. If ever I get rich enough that I can afford to have another car. I'm going to run mine on chip fat. Obviously, you need to strain it and get some glycerine, which I think is going to be the hardest point. I run it on that, but then I found that and that sounds all good and well. But then I found out that if you go to a chip shop, they get a rebate for any chip fat that they send back into the system. So it's not actually that easy. <laughs> no, it's not. Actually there easy. is the worst tangent I've ever gone off on in the show. <laughs>
1: I used to know a bloke who actually had a chip-fat-burning, um, Fiat, whatever they were, fan.
0: Or Fiat found in a tree, because that's what what normally happens when they blow up.
1: (laughs) No, no. (laughs) But there you go. That's another diversion.
0: When do we think we're going to see Amazon come to Apple TV? Any thoughts on that? Amazon on the Apple TV?
1: Oh, I wish. I so wish. Uh, probably never don't ask me why but they just don't seem want to uh, they just don't seem to want to have that as an option do they they really don't
0: no it's we get we what was it we heard there was that famous tweet from a so called developer that went a bit viral uh, last year no is it January last year no this year sorry what am I saying where oh yes, we are working on an app. And you've got to imagine that they are working uh, on an app. But oh it would, it would it would just be the perfect dream. You could have Name TV, which is obviously Rupert Murdoch, Sky, and all that sort of stuff, plus Netflix subscription, plus an Amazon subscription. I, I literally would just go right up onto the roof, take the aerial down, and that would be it. Yeah,
1: I mean I, I have as I say, I have Sky. I have Netflix. If I had Amazon on my Apple TV, uh, I think it would get a lot more use than it does. I don't really want to buy a Fire TV or a Fire Stick or whatever it is.
0: No, I'm with you on that. I've got enough. You know, yeah, I think I've just got enough
1: doodads as it is. I don't need another dongle hanging off my TV. Um
0: and when you, start, when you start, when you turn on your TV and you set it up, and then something happens in the house, like i.e., my cats start running around. And somehow, in the course of an hour, everything that was plugged in managed to become unplugged. <laughs> and then you plug it all in, and then you go, okay, HDMI one, click, wait for the TV to do its thing. Nope, that's not it. HDMI two, click, wait. Nope, that's not it. That's not it. I think you get past two inputs for your hdmi that's enough when you start hitting three you sort of start thinking yeah there's going to be something really really good there <laughs> really wanting me to watch it so uh, what making me go through the hassle of not only have you got to swap hdmi ports you've also got to go find that remote you've got to go in and flick through and in the case of no tv box if it if you're on a menu it won't update the menu automatically, so you have to come all the way into the, of the sub-menus, then go back in, wait for it to reload. You just kind of think, just please, just get on board the Apple platform and just let us be happy. Because there's going to be a lot of people out there that are not going to want to pay 129 quid or how, however much it is for an Apple TV for. There is that market. But I think that, but then again, there's also the market of people who've got an Apple TV who don't want to buy another dongle. So anyway, we can all imagine <laughs> it is that time of the year where dreams can come true.
1: That's it. We might get a little present from
0: Jeff. Maybe. <laughs> Just especially on the back of the uh the Grand Tour. Well I'll tell you what, son, we'll be going for a little bit now. Let's take a break here and head over to Mr John Nemo with this week's Nemo's Hardware Store. So John,
2: over to you. We have two exceptional values for you today here at Nemo's Hardware Store. The first item is a small, waterproof, Bluetooth, wireless, or wired speaker called the Boost Sound IC ICBTS06 Bluetooth Speaker. The company is called iClever, and their clever website is iclevericlever.com. The amazing cost in the U.S., Is only twenty two dollars, and for that small amount of money, you get a speaker that's about six inches by three inches by two inches. It's surprisingly loud. It's waterproof. You can't take it surfing, but it can go in the shower or camping stuff like that. The on-off switch, as well as the AUX port and the DCN five volt micro USB port, all three of those are behind a little waterproof trap door. So all you have when the speaker is in front of you is the grill of the speaker on the front, identical one on the back. and the top, there are three very lightly embossed rubber buttons. One for play and pause, one for forward and one reverse. But they're multi-use buttons. The manual, the printed manual that comes with it, describes how you can use them also to raise or lower the volume. So it's not that different from other ones we've seen that have been released recently, except it's very attractive, surprisingly loud for its size, extraordinarily good value, but it has one weird quirk. You cannot adjust the volume up and down from your iPhone when you're on Bluetooth. You need to go back to the speaker and then press and hold the right or the left multi-purpose button to raise or lower the volume, and then you can be looking at your phone or pad to adjust the volume. You want to use this in a set it and forget it volume situation. That's my only gripe about it, because given the audio quality, especially in the mid-range and the treble, and given the build quality, and given the amazingly low price, this is going to be a great stocking stuffer and a gift for yourself that you'll have for many years of indoor and the iClever Boost Sound ICBT speaker. I've been listening to it all day, and it's a darn good little speaker. My neighbors told me to turn it off, or turn it down, or move, so it must be doing something right. Speaking of the iPhone, you must have a glass screen at the front of your precious device from scratches, and from cracks, and from breaking. And a good company called Canex, or Kanex, K-A-N-E-X, has a limited lifetime warranty on their edge glass, edge-to-edge screen protector. It's available for the iPhone 7, in black or white, and the same for the 7 Plus, comes with the black surround on the one they sent us and it truly does go all the way to the edge so you get extra protection all the way to the edge of the front glass of your phone. It comes with an alcohol prep pad to clean the glass, a microfiber cleaning dust cloth, some dust absorber stickers and guide stickers to make sure that it goes on in exactly the right spot and even better, it's $18.59 in the US. So what that means is for $40 in the U.S., you can get both the iClever speaker that we talked about earlier and this Kenex edge-glass, edge-to-edge screen protector. This is an unbelievable deal. Get the front of your phone protected and get a good portable speaker that you can take everywhere. Thanks for listening. Nemo's Hardware Store, back next week.
0: And as always, John, thank you very much. You can find more of John's reviews over at MyMac.com with a load load of other good podcasts as well, including the MyMac show where you find people like myself and Carl regularly appearing with the MyMac G-Man. It is a G-Man, isn't it? Yes, there we are. That's the promo done. So what else have we got here? So... I didn't really have much much in the way of topics because we were both speaking offline and we didn't want to become an echo chamber, talking about the same old, the same old. So I thought we'd do something a bit different. Um, so I've been working on a project of which you know about, which I'm not going to mention on the show just yet. And one of the things I've needed is an Outlook client uh, for Outlook on the web. Now, I did want to download Outlook because... Meh, I don't want to use Apple Mail because I've already got enough accounts set up on that already. Excuse me. So after speaking to Dean Murphy, I managed to get an invite to Spark, which is a mail client, which ties in with everything, but works particularly well with Outlook on the web. So I thought this might be a good little topic to discuss about what alternative apps we use instead of, you know, what you class the normal ones. So for example, you might use Mail for the Mac, uh, and I've just been trying Spark. Have you got any suggestions there on what you would class as a additional app and what you use instead?
1: Uh, well, uh, at work, um, I am a big fan of Thunderbird, the Mozilla Thunderbird as a mail. Is comment.
0: that still going? Oh, yes.
1: I, I, I thought
0: that one. got sold off or...
1: No. ...something else. What actually happened was Mozilla said they were no longer going to officially develop it. So technically, Thunderbird is, I believe what's called community supported.
0: Oh, one means, of those you know, things.
1: Which means effectively, whoever it was who were working on Thunderbird, continue to work on Thunderbird. They just don't get paid anymore. Um, It's on about yeah. version 45 or something. It's updated awfully regularly, um, and I love it. It's a very traditional um, email, 3 pane client, and I like it a lot. Um, And I've never liked Apple Mail. Um, I don't really know why. It annoys me in lots of small ways, so I've never got on with Apple Mail. Um, And for my personal accounts, because most of those use Gmail, I use a little widget called Notifier, which is abandoned wear and eventually will die, but at the moment it's still working perfectly well in uh Sierra Beta Public Beta 3. So while it works, I'm gonna hang on to it.
0: I I will admit I remember using Thunderbird. Like, I think the last time I can say that I used it was when I was a PC user, which would be ten years ago. Oh good lord. No, two thousand and eight is when I switched. Uh yeah, blimey. Oh God, that that is a that is a very disconcerting thought. Uh, thought even um for me, it's been Google Docs. I quite liked, but I don't know something about it just didn't feel. Oh, how do you explain a feeling of a bit of software? It's good as a technical demo, but for me, and this is going to be controversial. It's a little bit like using iOS and Android. Android is good. I will have no bones about saying that, but for me it just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't look quite right or maybe I've been indoctrinated by the world of Apple, but it just doesn't seem to have that level of something. So I instead of using that, I we well media we actually use Quip. And Quip's quite good, but I think the one feature that we do miss the most is the way it shows edits because in Google Docs If you type a paragraph and then Simon was to go in and make some corrections, you see the original paragraph and then the corrections before it. So you can actually compare the two. Whereas within Quip, it's sort of done in a window on the pane on the left. So you can actually review it that way. So whereas I like the interface of Quip, I sort of feel that I miss the, uh, what's the word? The editing style. Of Google Docs. I mean, what about for you? I mean, you are the man who made, who pulls my pieces of so called work together. What what one would you do you prefer out the two?
1: Um To be honest, I I don't really have that much preference between them. Um I think I prefer Quip simply because it's not Google, to be honest. Yeah not that you know i'm not a google hater don't get me wrong i use google mail and i've used google mail since it was a an invitation only beta and uh i know that they look at my email and use that to see if they can sell me things and that's uh that's an honest trade i'm happy to make i feel less happy with Google looking at what I'm doing when we're talking about other things where the the trade isn't necessarily quite so honest or open.
0: A, bit, a little bit like Facebook, who just seem to tie into everything and sell things to everything. I, I actually got really disturbed the other day because I clicked on a link for something in Facebook, and then my Google Ads started. Showing up for the same sort of thing, and then vice versa. And all right, yeah, yes, you do see things similar, but these things are way, way, way too close to the bone for me. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna really start looking uh, at moving away. I mean, I only use my Gmail account now for spam, as in if I sign up to a website, that's the account I use, and then I have a very, very, very separate one which I use for. What I call serious stuff. You're right. You do. It is the trade-off between getting something for free, and the service that you get. But sometimes, it just crosses the mark. And what about instant messaging? Are you just stick with uh, iMessage, or do you go on to the, to things like WhatsApp, Snapchat, or Snipchat, or um, Kick Messenger, or whatever it is they're using I... these days? <laughs>
1: I, I actually use, unsurprisingly, if you can imagine, most of my family are using Apple ICQ phones, so I am a fairly heavy user of iMessage. Uh, I'm also a fairly heavy user of Skype, but as an instant messenger rather than as a, a video chat application. Um. And then I have probably a fairly wide selection of other instant messengers. I have uh, accounts with Telegram, Signal, Somo, I think it's called, uh, WhatsApp, Kick, and probably half a dozen others, most of which almost never get used. I tend to find that I... will You find one or two, one or two contacts who will use Signal, or one or two contacts who will use Telegram, or one or two contacts who use something else. And so that's why I've ended up with such a huge spectrum. But, um, personal choice, iMessage, and Skype. Skype, um, I don't know. I tried to use Skype on Android the other day and found it was full of ads. I'm not quite sure how that happened because there's no ads in Skype on my Mac or on my iPhone. But it was most disconcerting. It kept showing me ads every five minutes. which would be right off. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, if you're going to start showing me ads in my Skype, uh, I'll be moving to another platform. Thank you. Uh,
0: I've, I've got the same thing with one of my radio playing apps. Uh, I think I mentioned this in the last show, TuneIn Radio. And like I said, I don't mind ads. I really don't, providing that they're a portal or they're not overly intrusive. Like, for example, you launch TuneIn before you even get to play a radio station. You get an app and you have to click on an X. And I think, well, okay, that's a fair trade-off. But then when I'm playing a show and it does that horribly scummy tactic of all right, an advert comes up and then whoops, there you are, you popped back into the app store to download something. And it's usually something like Castle Crush or Candy Saga or some other blinking nonsense like that. So I go, right, nope.
1: No, that's I know exactly it. where you're coming from. I I don't mind ad supported apps. Um on my iPhone I have um I use a free uh, sat nav called nav me. Uh, M double I and uh, that has ads in it but they're not obtrusive when you start the app you get an ad while you're setting up your um, journey there's a little banner at the top with an ad in but once you have done all your prep and you hit go and you're in the actual navigation app there are no ads it's just like a tom-tom or anything I think that's fair yeah. I you know I accept that. Yeah. um I use um I use a hotspot shield free VPN server so when you boot that you get an advert before you you can turn the VPN on fine I can live with that You know, it's a short five-second ad. I'm using their VPN for nothing. It shows me the ad. Then it shows me the prices for to, you know, pay for the VPN and thus remove the ads. And then it connects my VPN and I go about my day. I can live with that. But, yeah, the sort of thing you're talking about, Mark, where you're doing something and all of a sudden this huge screen-blocking self-playing
0: oh, don't even get you know, me started on you know, self-playing yeah, videos. Blocks the screen you know, they've made the close
1: this, skip this advert thing as tiny and invisible as possible. No, that's like okay, that's you, would you want to treat me that way? You're in the bin pal. So, yep. I, I think it's a t- maybe some people put up with it, but for me that's just a self-defeating attitude. Yep. You know, if you- build an app like that people are just going to throw it in the bin you're going to get about three ad views and then it's in the bin
0: and that's it with something like google ad views you have to hit such an inertia for people to get through to people to click through all them and i know because i had a, a couple of articles that have been absolutely gangbusters and it's only then when you get such a colossal amount of traffic it even starts to make a a, a, a small, small difference. I'm with you on all the different messaging apps. I've got to say, but I think the one problem that we have as geeks is that we're so OCD-riddled because we'll be we'll start a conversation in Slack and then we'll go over to Quip and then because we're on our Twitter client looking at other stuff on Twitter, we'll then continue the conversation in Twitter and then we go back to Slack or back to Quip or back to WhatsApp or back to something else. And it becomes an absolute nightmare at times because then you end up with a situation where you've got two different conversations with the same person going on in multiple clients. It's like, oh, dear Lord. You have a certain amount
1: of uh, split personality to do that. I know. I'm terrible for it. I am absolutely terrible for it because I will be in, you know, in iMessage and I'll be talking to somebody and then, like you say... They'll say go into Quip. So you look at Quip. I'm looking at a document in Quip. I start talking to them in Quip. And oh yeah, you do have to have a bit of a grasshopper mind, I think, to to deal with. Yeah, I have to say that a few years back there was a there was a a little cluster of apps you could get. Um which allowed you to kind of group all your social media.
0: Oh, yes, I know the one you mean. And it was some sort of... Oh, what's one, it called? Buzz was one.
1: Um, There were several. There were several of them. And it allowed you to say, okay, well, I can have my Yahoo Messenger and my Microsoft Messenger and my Skype and this and that and the other and lump them all into one app. So it it, it didn't actually mold them all into one. What it actually did was simply.
0: Yeah, I know. Case. I know that. Oh, it's bugging me. Cause I know exactly the app that you mean. Cause well, you could, it, it was something that you could add add ons. Nimbuzz
1: was one. There were,
0: there were three or four of them. There
1: were certainly, um, Adium. Um, that's the one. Adium was one of them. Um, I had one, yeah, Nimbus was the one that I liked. But there were three or four of them, certainly, at the time, which allowed you to, oh, Trillion, that's another one, I think, where it allowed you to try and collect all your instant messaging apps together. But, and that was really great, especially when you could put Skype in there and use that as in, but Skype got the hump and told all these people don't get sling their hook. We're not letting you use our API.
0: Well, Sky's going a bit weird at the moment. They're really sort of going into this whole we want to discontinue the actual desktop clients and put it all into a web based browser oh, thing, which
1: um, like, well, if they do that if they do that, then I shall be going I shall be moving over to wire or um what's the other one? There's an i IMU or something. There are plenty of them. I shall be shift I shall shift to wire. If I had my way, I'd use wire anyway, but if I could convince anybody else to use the bloody thing.
0: Yeah, same. Here. And the good thing is, is that these smaller sort of voice over IP companies have got a big advantage is that they're not being hammered like Skype. So you would hope that they've got enough bandwidth and enough sort of server scalability to say, right, we can cope with a bit of an influx and not have you know, the dropouts that are pretty much synonymous with Skype. But then again, you can't really bash Skype. Cause it is like the, the biggest used uh, voiceover IP client in the world.
1: Yes, I'll be fair. I'll be fair to Skype. And long before Microsoft took it on, you have to be have to say that, however they did it, Skype made it just work. When even Apple's uh, what was it called iChat was prone to not working.
0: If you have wanted a, a an IM system that nobody else used, iChat was it. You could not even... Oh, I I remember back it back in that day when MSN Messenger became like the de facto standard, uh, and then I remember the outcry of two thousand in something where they placed adverts at the bottom, and. The, that's where, for me, the ad blocking thing really started. Was people were outraged by this app, which to a colossal amount of bandwidth, was suddenly having an advert to help sponsor it. <laughs> I've just checked on that Adium. I didn't realise it was still going. Oh yeah, Adium's still a big, a big
1: cheese for a little duck for half an hour.
0: I would love to go and try and get my ICQ number back. I can still remember it. it's two nine three four zero one six.
1: wow. how? ICQ
0: I do I do use ICQ on occasions I have to say as it's used there, there you are kids if you're out there and you're not even the age of 30 you probably have no idea what we're on about <laughs> or IRC even oh blimey. that's where the, that that's where the real nerds go to uh, go to chat not geeks proper proper nerds
1: <laughs> yeah so anyway. uh, any other other alternatives, let me think. Yeah. I'm I am a bit of an alternative dude, really. Um, partly just out of sort of interest. I like to always know what kind of alternatives are out there. So, um, I mean, like cloud services, I use quite a lot of cloud services. Um, I've got iCloud, OneDrive, Google Drive, Dropbox. Box, Cloud Me, and not to forget Mega, which, for those who don't know, is 50 gigabytes of web storage for free. Go get it at Mega.NZ. There you go. By the way, I'm not paid to say that. I just think it's some bloody good service for nothing.
0: No, but to be fair, there will probably be an affiliate link attached to there if you want to sign up to it. I, I, I don't know what it is about Mega. It's a probably a really big irrational thing where I just don't trust it I've got no, I realise I've got no rational reason for not trusting it but I just don't and that's probably a really shocking thing to say uh,
1: Well it was founded by it was founded by Kim.com of Mega Upload Uh, Infamy I suppose however it doesn't belong to him at all and he has no association with it, it is merely a service which he offers a 50 gig of uh, cloud storage.
0: Is there, I've just had a look down. there is actually a sync client as well, which is great because at the moment, uh, I always seem to end up flipping between Dropbox and Gmail. Uh, and I think that's because there was a stage in the iOS life where some apps would support Dropbox, some apps only support Google Drive, not Gmail, Google Drive. Uh, nothing supports Box. And so I ended up going through this weird phase of using one thing for one, one thing for another. And uh, I don't think I've ever seen uh, an i. Do you- well, actually, you can answer this. Are there any iOS apps that have that support the client, or will let you sort of save to Mega.nz? I don't
1: know. Um, you know, I don't know. My phone, obviously downstairs at the moment. I don't know. There's a, there's a there's a Mega there's a Mega client for iOS. Yeah, uh, I've just seen that. I don't know if there's uh, um, any services support it directly.
0: Um, we, but then we sort I, of think if not there was a share, share sheet, it. it should work.
1: Yeah. I, uh, what I do use and uh, I do like is there's a web service called MaltCloud.com, which is free and allows you to kind of connect all your or most of your cloud services. Yeah and shuffle I've used things. that one allows you to shuffle stuff from you know box to dropbox or mega to icloud or whatever um which again is a very clever little piece of kit and uh, charges you nothing for the privilege
0: yeah i've used that so you might so for me i've used this when uh i was having a bit of a reshuffle and i moved all of my podcast episodes from google drive to dropbox and the traditional way would be you download them all and then you upload them all, which is just a complete pain in the proverbial. Uh, with this, you basically have a web interface and you select your files and you go. Uh, it's a bit like Norton Commander. Yep. There's a throwback. Oh. What, for how many people? If you, if if anyone out there remembers Norton Commander, use the uh, hashtag Norton Commander and tweet at Essential Apple. What about? So I would love. How about
1: XTree, Mark? Do you know X-Tree? Oh, yes.
0: Those <laughs> were the days. Oh, yeah. It's yeah In this world of technology, <laughs> RoboCop still reigns supreme. Never mind.
1: Um no. Yeah. So alternatives, what other alternatives do I like? Um I I'm a quite a big fan of LibreOffice. Um really? Yes. I am. In fact, I, I actually find that I like LibreOffice more than the official Microsoft Office. Uh, I have to say, Microsoft Office on Windows is it's pretty good. I still hate it, but it's pretty good at what it does. But Microsoft Office on the Mac? Sorry. Sucky, sucky, sucky. Sorry.
0: I don't know. I, I would disagree with you. It's not bad. That's, that's not that's not exactly a great indictment, but considering we had to wait from tw- Office 2011, is that then unpleasant? to get 20... 20-
1: it's not shite.
0: <laughs> yes. I'll have to put a marker... In- oh, yeah, well, I'll put an E-tag on that. Right, <laughs> let's go in clip press the X.
2: Sorry.
0: Where is it? It's not shite. Yeah. Now I've got to put a timeline. I've got to put a beep in over the shite. I'll just cut the whole bit. No. No, it's, it is It is amazing that sometimes we go, oh, this is really good, considering what we used to have, which is almost where maybe the MacBooks have been, but we wait so long for an update and then people have just sort of uh, gone down we it. Well, it's all right. It's not brilliant. But that is for a completely, completely different subject. Any more, one more quick recommendation for you for an alternative app? Uh,
1: Yes, I think I could probably say if you used to use pages and you used to think it was good and now you don't think it's good because it's not, I would recommend that you look up Publisher Plus, which I think was set you Plus. back about £15 and I believe it's from Pearl Mountain Software.
0: Oh, blimey, you can't charge 15 quid for something, Simon, come on. <laughs> Bly, did you not hear the last show when all the outrage was like Mario was going to be $9.99? Blimey. Well,
1: that's on iOS. That's... that's on iOS. Publisher Plus is a proper program.
0: Ah, duh. <laughs> no, it's too expensive. The world would be an uproar going, oh, you can't, oh, they will be bust. You can't charge that amount for a decent publishing program. Yes, it's Publisher from com, And of course... All these are going to be in the show notes. So if you want to know if want to know what we've been talking about or go and see the apps, head over to EssentialApple.com, click on the latest episode of the podcast, number 28, and you'll see a lovely, lovely link there with some affiliate links. And just to give a quick show out because I forgot to mention this earlier on, and I'm not going to do any editing tonight. If you shop at Amazon, because that time of the year is coming up, Please, please, please go and click on our Amazon affiliate link, just like Simon did when he went and bought a hard drive, because we get a very, very small amount of commission and everything goes back into the show to produce this finally quality produced item of podcasting joyousness. But I I know a lot of you have done Well, I say a lot a good fair few of you do use the Amazon link. The reason I mention it every week is because like anything on the internet, there's so much going on in the world these days, it's easy to forget. But just head over to Essential Apple and on the top right-hand side of the site, you'll see a button that says Amazon. Click that, go shopping. I know you've done something to contribute to the show. and It doesn't cost you a single thing. Well, other than what you're buying, there's no extra add-ons. You don't have to tick or untick a box. We don't get any marketing information. We don't see anything at all about what what, what you're purchasing. All you do is help the show. So please, EssentialApple.com or look at the show notes of this podcast uh, thing when you scroll down whatever podcast client you use. Uh, You know what? We've been going for a bit. so I think we've got a show. I think that
1: will do it so for this week. Okay, well, thank you for having me on, Mark. And I will just point no. out, can we have a big red button for the Amazon link?
0: You, If you can find me the graphic, I will stick it up on the website. Do you want a big red button that says, press here for Amazon? I'll go on to fiverr.com and try and get someone to design something that doesn't look like a pile of... Oh. Yeah, that's that's a story for a long time. Oh... <laughs> I give up with Fiverr.com. It's like trying to buy an iPad or anything Apple off eBay. And you know what, Simon, on that note, let's call it a day. If they want to get hold of you, where can they find you? How can they get in touch with you or follow you or stalk you or whatever these crazy kids in the world do today?
1: Uh, Well, the best way to get hold of me is to follow me on Twitter, which is at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K.
0: Brilliant! Thank you very much for that. You can get hold of me at said Your Apple if you want to follow the website. If want to know what I'm up to in the world, including when I go live on YouTube, and I yes. I do know that someone did tweet me to say, where is my YouTube channel for when I go live? Uh, I'm still fiddling and tinkering. So if you want to catch me fiddling and twink, tinkering in the world of iOS and Mac stuff on a weekend, uh, send, me a, send me a tweet to at ocean speed or at central apple. There's obviously the website essential And of course, please go and share the love. And if you're out there and if you're listening, And if you're bored and you're fed up with all the stuff that's going on for Christmas, you don't want to go Christmas shopping, you can't be asked to go and take the car and get it washed, why not leave us a review on iTunes? You've got no excuse. That's done. Done. Right. Thank you very much, Simon. And until next time, we will see you next time. Cheerio, everyone.
1: Bye.